when we're doing that and interacting with God and like not just reading his word or reading our five minute devotion or saying the prayer list of the things we need to pray for, but interacting with the word, just like I was interacting with my son, then through the day, we're going to have that relationship and have that interaction that really changed, changed from Mm -hmm. that kid that felt like I had to please God to like me now saying, you're here with me and we're going to talk this thing through and you're walking with me. And that changed my heart. It was a change in my heart that happened when I started building that relationship, having that conversation, praising God, and then carrying on throughout the day. You're about to finally accomplish something you've been waiting for and working toward. But then you get sideswiped again. Maybe your life feels like a perpetual Groundhog's Day with the sink full of dirty dishes and the unending pile of bills. Perhaps it seems like no one can tell you've done anything. It feels like all you've done is everything. This is a podcast for the defeated dreamer, the discouraged achiever, and the exhausted perfectionist in all of us. Imagine having a simple plan a strategy to use in those moments when you feel like you can never accomplish what's important to you, when the things you are doing don't make much of a difference, and when you're wondering, do I even matter? I'm Sherry Fletcher, and I have so been there, but what I've come to understand is that God has a plan for your life, and the enemy has a plot against that plan. This is why you need a spiritual strategy. I'm glad you're here and we're on the same team. So let's work on a spiritual game plan together. It is the month of February and I'm gonna be talking with my guests about the condition of our hearts. In Proverbs 4, 23, we are told that above all else, we are to guard our hearts because everything we do flows from it. So since this is the month when we share our Valentines with others, I wanted to give you a sort of Valentines as well, a spiritual game plan for your heart. I'm excited to have guests come on the show and talk about the importance of rest and intentionally living to quiet our hearts how to make small and positive changes to cultivate a heart that's happy in the Lord. I'm even having a guest on that's going to discuss the blessing of fasting and feasting for our hungry hearts. And we will talk about ways that we can guard our hearts by choosing joy. So be sure to join me every Tuesday in the month of February for a spiritual game plan for your heart. Today, I will be talking with Trisha Goyer. Trisha is a busy mom of 10, grandmother of many, and wife to John. Somewhere amid the hustle and bustle of family life, she manages to find the time to write fictional tales that delight and entertain readers and nonfiction titles that offer encouragement and hope. The USA Today bestselling author, Trisha, has published 75 books to date and more than 500 articles. She is a two-time Carol Award winner, as well as a Christie and ECPA Award finalist. Trisha is a member of the blogging team at thebettermom.com. 
and other homeschooling and Christian sites. In addition to her roles as wife, mom, and author, Trisha volunteers in her community and mentors teen moms. I'm so excited to be talking with Trisha today about the state of our heart. Trisha will remind us that when we make small, positive changes to cultivate a heart that's happy in the Lord, everything changes. Good morning. I am so excited to have Trisha Goyer with me today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. And happy Valentine's Day. You too. (laughs) I'm excited. Excited to talk about the heart on Valentine's Day. This is going to be great. I would love it if you'd share a little bit um, of personal information, like what you're currently working on and maybe what you guys do in your home for Valentine's Day. Absolutely. So uh, we have a lot of kids. (laughs) So I, I'm married to John for over 30 years, and then we have 10 children from the ages of 33 all the way down to 11. So we had three that were almost out of the house, and then we started adopting again. So we started with a newborn, then we adopted toddlers from foster care, then four teenage girls from foster care, which is something, <laughs> something else. So they... Uh, because we adopted kids, like every holiday, every birthday, um, like they didn't often have even Christmases, like getting fun gifts. And so we always, you know, get the candy, get the flowers, do the, do the little cards to each other because one of them is 22 now that we adopted. Um, so they don't always, you know, they didn't get those types of things. So we're trying to just make it fun and festive for them and to kind of like, let them celebrate in their own ways, even though they're older now, we have, you know, uh, from 11 all the way to 22 are our adopted ones. Um, but it's just fun to celebrate with them. That that would be crazy. So I love here. I loved reading that about trust, like, wow, exhausted just reading that. (laughs) But I have one question that I have asked my guests ever since I started the podcast. And, uh, it's a question that has us reflect on who God has made us to be from the beginning. And that question is looking back in your life, how far back can you see the very purpose you are living out today and who you have always been? Oh, that is so good. So the funny thing is as a writer, I'm mostly a writer. I do speak also, but I would say like one of his big purposes for me is a writer. And I grew up in a non reading home. I don't remember my parents having books. I don't remember them reading. I don't remember my grandparents. Like we just didn't have books. And then around fifth grade, we moved near a library. Um, And so I was able to ride my book to library. Maybe it's fourth grade, fourth, fifth grade, right around there. And I would go during summer days and fill up so many bags, plastic bags of books that I put on my handlebars and ride home and just read and read and read. And I just really feel like at that time, as I was reading Little House on the Prairie and biographies of Helen Keller and the Nancy Drew mysteries, it just took me into this other world. And looking back, I can see that God put that love of books and reading in my life, in a, in a home that was, doesn't even value that. So I could see definitely. And even when my friend, I was 22 in a nur- church nursery and my friend's like, I want to write a novel. And I'm like, oh, I want to do that too. That's the first time I ever thought of it. And when she said that, I just thought back to that little kid that just loved to sit there and read books when no one around her, like HBO was on another room, like no one around her was interested in reading. Um, and so that was definitely God. I could just see he created me for that purpose. Um, and just had our family rent a house near a library that <laughs> they kind of planted uh-huh. that seed. I heard you mention a, a really cool uh, little 
fact about yourself when you were uh, a young girl about artist being uh, your artist in you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I would always draw. And so it was actually during COVID when we were home, everyone is home. I have all these kids at home and I'm like, I need some outlet in my life to, um, to do something that's going to kind of fill me up because I'm just pouring out to these kids all day long. And we homeschooled anyway, but it's different when you just can't go anywhere. (laughs) And so I started watercolor painting. And again, it was looking back to that little girl that loved to draw and would just sit there for hours and draw pictures. And my, my grandma would always say, you're going to have a greeting card line someday. Like that was my highest aspirations, which I still don't. But again, (laughs) once I got those paints out and the, the watercolors and the paper, it was just, I felt like this is something that God created me to do. And it's, it's relaxing and rejuvenating, which also shows you that God put those things in you for a purpose um, that, you know, look back to who he created you to be as a child and to fulfill our, our calling, our purpose to find that connection with God. um, We need to look back to those times in our lives. Yeah, I love that. I love hearing other people's aspects. I'm not an artist um, at all. Like stick men, not even look good for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I admire, I just love when people can, um, you know, share the expression of their heart in an outward way. Yes. Um, I have a question that I've added to this year um, for podcasting. And that is, is there anything you've ever been thanked for? that you didn't even realize that you did well or that you were valued for it? Mm. I think one thing is, um, especially my adult kids, thank me just for uh, family dinner time and meals mm-hmm. and cooking. Um, growing up again in my mom and my stepdad's home, it was like um, frozen chicken, <laughs> like this, the, <laughs> that type of thing. But it was my grandma's home that, she would always have like Sunday dinner and we'd be around the table. And I think I cherish that so much that when I started having my own kids, um, my husband, and I really made it a priority to have those family dinners together. And we would even say no to a lot of evening activities. We only have like one or mm-hmm. one or two, maybe two activities in the evening. Um, but we always have that family dinner together. And so I love cooking. Uh, my grandma lives with me. She's 93. And she'll always, every mm-hmm. time I, we have dinner, she's like, it's like a Sunday dinner. <laughs> So we love to have the, the dinner around the table every evening. And when my older kids who are no longer living here, in fact, my daughter's in the Czech Republic, she comes home and she's like, mom, can you make this? Can you make that? Like she's already given me, she's going to be home for Christmas again with her two kids. And she's already given me the list of things she wants me to cook. And so it's one of those things that, you know, it's ordinary. It's every day, mm-hmm. every day at five o'clock, I go in there and start making dinner. But to my kids and my family, it's something special. I love hearing that. So today we are discussing a topic that's dear to my own heart, and that is focusing on what really matters. And the title of your book is Heart Happy, Staying Centered in God's Love During Chaotic Circumstances. In order for my listeners to understand that you are not just writing about how others can stay centered, you're actually writing from a place of having to stay centered yourself. I Um, You've mentioned how big your family is, but give us a little glimpse into your personal story, your journey of stepping back and fully being nourished by God's love. Yeah, absolutely. I think when it comes to 
um, happiness. A lot of people say like, oh, we're supposed to have joy in the Lord, like happiness is of the world. Well, God came up with the happiness thing before the world came up with the happiness thing. And if you look in the Bible, it actually calls like some words that are translated blessed are happy. So happy is the one who's trusted in the Lord. I mean, blessed is the one. It, all those blessed words can be translated as happy. And during the season again, when I'm home with these kids, um, we've adopted kids from trauma. We've had a lot of years of anger um, coming from the kids in trauma and me, anger coming from me, not knowing how to deal with the kids in trauma and the chaos in our lives and all these things. It's like realizing like, okay, I do not feel happy. There's definitely not any joy there. Like what is going on? And what God, as I sat before him during my quiet time, what he really showed me is that I was basing my happiness on how well things were going in our house, how well things were going with the books I was writing. It was like the external things, even though it wasn't like I didn't have the new car or the new you know, the expensive wardrobe or the fancy jewelry. Like I wasn't putting my happiness there, but it was like, oh, look at us. We're all going to church and every, all the kids are doing well until they weren't all doing well until we had kids from trauma. The kids were acting out and you know we had to get outside therapy and all these types of things and I realized like I was putting so much of my happiness on those things and it was really looking back God so preciously in our my quiet time like where did I get these ideas that I needed to be perfect I need to perform and it was up to me to make my kids do what they needed to do and I went back to um, my childhood and I was born to a single mom. I didn't know my biological dad growing up. My stepdad was very distant. He was there. He was a provider. He always provided for us, but not involved in our lives. And that the feeling that I had been abandoned by my biological dad, that I needed to please my stepdad, that I needed to please God. Um, you know, and I made lots of mistakes as a teen. I, Ended up having an abortion which, when I was 15, which is something that I really regretted. Um, became pregnant at 17 and ended up having my son. And it was during that pregnancy that I dedicated my life to God. But then there was this always this feeling like, okay, now I'm going to do everything right. Like, I'm going to make you happy, God. And then I'm going to be happy because everything's going well. And it really was when nothing was going well, when we couldn't leave the house. We have kids in trauma. We trying to do teletherapy, like all these things that God is peeling back the layers. And it's like, I have not abandoned you. You do not have Mm -hmm. to please me. I am here to love you and support you. It's not about you getting everything right or doing everything right or having the house cleaner, adopting kids or caring for grandma. It's not about all the outward external doing things. It's about me and my love for you. And as he started peeling back layers in my story, it just made me realize like, this is a message I think so many people need to hear because each of us may put our our happiness on something. It may not be the same things as I do, but it doesn't need to be those things, those performances, those how our children act or behave, that God loves us completely. And once I got to the point of understanding that relationship in a deeper way, that I don't even have to get his approval, try to seek his approval. He loves me completely then I can rest in him. And then that's where the happiness comes. So there might be chaos going on in my life still, but that settled, happy heart changes everything. Yes. I love that. You know, um, before I moved from Washington to Tennessee, I was very active in youth ministries um, and had, um, was active in women's ministries. So 
one of the phrases that I heard between both the youth and the women's ministry was, I just want to be happy. Mm-hmm. Or I'd hear parents say, I just want my kids to be happy. And I think that when we say that, but we don't help our kids or help us, you know, learn ourselves how to understand how to be happy, it leaves the kids, it leaves us in this pursuit of an emotion mm-hmm. that can just change at any moment. Um, when kids and parents or mom, women would say that, I just want to be happy, I would ask them, like, what would that look like yeah. to you? And their answer was always based on this ideal feeling, Mm -hmm. eliminating that chaos, eliminating the conflict, which we know is not going to happen when we live on this earth. So tell us a little little bit about your search for a heart happiness. And did you find it? Are you done searching? (laughs) What's it looking like for you? Yeah, and it's so so interesting because my search really involved like digging in and it's like, why do I feel unsettled? Like, where is this coming from? And a lot of it went back to understanding like the feelings of abandonment, even though God had never abandoned me, those feelings of abandonment I had grown up with, those feelings of feeling like I had to perform, those you know feelings of that I um, had to do things to earn God's love. But also it became like, you know, yes, I regularly have a quiet time. I speak and write. I'm a Christian writer. But um, am I really connecting with God in a relationship with him and, and really feeling that connection? And, you know, I was doing more in quiet time, but I would often get up and leave the couch and not feel like I connect with God. And one thing that made me realize, like, how can that connection with God happen? And this goes back to our little guy when we adopted when he was two. So he was two and he had been in numerous foster cares. Attachment was not a thing. Like he would go with anyone at the store. Like he did not know me. Um, if he was playing with some of the prayer, he would, he would probably leave with any other family there because there was no attachment there. He was very active, very wild. He would break everything. If I left a gallon of milk as I'm pouring cereal and turn my back, he would dump it out. It was just like this child that I'm always following around. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, out of control. And because of his behavior and his sister's behavior, she was five at the time, they had moved around a lot because people just, it was so hard to handle. So we ended up going to therapy and I'm like, okay, tell me what to do. Like, is there a timeout? Like, what are these, just tell me what to do to get control of this uncontrollable child who doesn't even care what I say because there's no bond there. And instead of saying, okay, this is how timeout works or do this for consequences or do a star chart, she had me, and it's the most interesting thing. She's like, five minutes a day, I want you to go into a different room with no other kids there, have a special box of toys, and you are going to play with those toys and you are going to um, say what he's doing. You're going to repeat what he says and you're going to praise him. And I'm like, this is the weirdest thing ever. And we spent like a year and we would practice this. It was like in one of those rooms where there's the glass. So we can't see her, but she can see us. And I have a little earpiece and she's like, okay, praise him. Okay, repeat that. And it was like, this is the silliest thing. Like, how in the world is this going to help this kid? So I would say he would be like uh, lining up cars. I'm like, you are lining up the cars. And he'd say, blue car. Like he's almost three at this time. So he doesn't even have a huge vocabulary. But like, blue car. And he'd hand me a car. I'm like, great job. Thank you for handing mommy a car. You're such a kind boy. And it was like, she's like, okay, now repeat what he's doing. Now he's lining up the animals. You are lining up the animals. So it was just this weird thing. And I'm like, how is this working? She's like, you just need to do it five minutes a day. And what I realized was during that time, I was focused on him. 
I was seeing him. I was hearing him. I was praising him. And he was feeling seen, heard, and praised. And then during the day, I would say, oh, you were you were um, lining up the spoons or whatever it is. And I would yeah. say, great job picking up that toy. It was training me also to be connected. And over time, it probably took a couple months. But when I would say his name, he would turn and look at me. Because he recognized me and he, he recognized my voice. And I was one, one who wasn't always following him around saying, don't do that. Stop doing that. And it built that connection. And it made me realize with God, like even with his word, we can say, this is what you're doing in your word. This is what you're doing in the world around. This is what you say in your word. I praise you for this. And we're building that connection with God. And when we start doing that in the morning and we spend time doing that, then we can see God all day long in the world around us. Like you were so amazing. I was, you know, reading about uh, the build- rebuilding of the temple this morning. And I'm like, God, when they thought their enemies were against them, you actually turned the tides and their enemies were went to help them. Like any situation in my day to day, when I think like this is going wrong, no, maybe you're doing something in my day that is going to turn it around and mm-hmm. it's going to be a blessing to me. So when we're doing that and interacting with God and like not just reading his word or reading our five minute devotion or saying the prayer list of the things we need to pray for, but interacting with the word, just like I was interacting with my son, then through the day, we're going to have that relationship and have that interaction that really changed, changed from mm-hmm. that kid that felt like I had to please God to like me now saying, you're here with me and we're going to talk this thing through and you're walking with me. And that changed my heart. It was a change in my heart that happened when I started building that relationship, having that conversation, praising God and it carrying on throughout the day. Mm, I love that. You know, while you were, while you were sharing that story of um, how you connected with your son story came to my mind, my son, my, one of my sons has a girlfriend and it's, it's probably the first girl I've ever seen physically seen him adore Mm. he adores her and one day I saw her he was doing something and I saw her putting something in her phone and I was like what are you doing she goes oh ever since I've met him um if he orders something I write it down if he says something funny I write it down and she goes that way if I if I go through Starbucks I know what his drink is and he didn't have to tell me and I I was sitting there going That's why he adores her. She's observant. Like you're saying, like you're lining up the spoons. Good job. She's, you know, observing. And, and I just thought, wow, that's how she got. I mean, there's lots of ways she got to his heart, but I thought, wow, that was probably one of the first times he went, someone paid attention. Cares about what I think, what I say, what I'm doing. Yeah. 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 It's great. So um, while I was reading through your book, you have a sense of humor and I loved in your chapter on the priority of a happy heart. Uh, you talked about the boundary that you put on your quiet time. And I thought it was kind of funny when you shared a story <laughs> about your, your daughters in the living room. Yeah. <laughs> in that chapter, you say that a happy heart comes from feeling loved and knowing God is present with me and in control. It involves allowing his message to turn uh, my attention to what's really important in the scheme of things. And you stated that when you don't connect with God to settle your heart, you feel like it's you against the world. Mm-hmm. And I love that because we tend to forget, like you mentioned that, you know, Jesus died so that he could live a new life within us. Yeah. And we fail to recognize the life of faith that we can actually experience. And I know that um, not to get all too geeky, but experience, there's also, a, is that's the Greek meaning for the word know when God mm-hmm. says we can know him, we can experience and know God in us. 
And so um, you realize, you know, the second question I asked you today was about the ability of being able to receive this gift of appreciation. And I think that shows us that sometimes we don't always know how to accept the appreciation through God's love. Why is it important to remember what God has done in us and for us? And how can that shift the perspective and how it, you know, it changes our hearts? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, so many times we, again, don't think we have to perform or we have to do things to get things from God. And he's like, I have, I want you to have abundant life. Like I have given you life and I have given it to you abundantly. And when I look back, when I was pregnant and 17 years old, um, and I said, God, if you can do anything with my life, just do it. Cause I've just messed this up. I'm pregnant. I've already had an abortion. Like my heart's broken from these guys in my life. And, uh, if you can do anything with my life, please do. And if I would have been talking to that 17 year old and said, you know, uh, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you're going to have books published. You're going to be speaking. You're going to be able to travel internationally. You're going to have all these kids. Like she, it would have not been like, I, I was laying in my bed completely boyfriend's out of the picture, friends are out of the picture, um, was doing my last of my credits for my high school at home, like completely nothing. And then there's the days I'm like, oh, I wish I had new carpet in my living room. My God has it. Like, I don't know. Like we just are, even though we are working so hard, we're scraping by a month, but like we, we limit and we forget like looking back and seeing how much God has done and how much he's provided for us. And I think it, it takes stepping back and and remembering and I love just like your son's girlfriend will write down what he likes what he did like we look back and mentally list through God and what he's doing and how he's providing for us and how he's taking care of us and we can see him show up again and again and again and I when I speak at conferences or speak at small groups or wherever I, as I'm telling these stories of what God did in my life, I'm reminding myself like, Oh yeah, God like really showed up. But sometimes it may, it's so easy to forget the things that God has done. And so it takes that time of actually looking back and remembering and, and seeing what God has already done for us. And just even recently, I had multiple book deadlines this year and, and one of them just took way longer just because of life and kids and travel and all the things. And I was so stressed out. And I remember being in church and I'm trying to worship. And, you know, this is after I've written this book and it's already published. Like I should know these messages, but so stressed out. And I'm trying to worship. My mind was just like on the book deadline. And I just remember like, God, like, just help me with this book. And it wasn't an audible voice, but it was like, have I ever failed you yet? Have I ever? And I'm like, no. And just like, I felt that burden lift again. So it's not, it's this daily remembering, this daily or weekly or monthly, however much we need to remember, which is often um, remembering mm-hmm. what God did, what he's brought us through, how he's carried us. And that, and then remember, like when we feel those burdens, we feel that tension and we see our to-do list and we think there's no way we're going to do this. Or we have that child that is not do, living how they're supposed to be living. Adult kids, they just do what they want to do and don't make always the right decisions. Um, God has never, ever, ever, ever failed me. Like looking back, I can never say, oh yeah, you dropped the ball on that one. And it takes each of us to remember and go back to those times and remember what God has done and remind ourselves about those things. Mm-hmm. I love that. And that's perfect for this next question because I attended this a, wor- a weekend workshop, a whole weekend to learn about my heart. Mm. And it was life-changing for me. And what I learned 
about myself that has been the most impactful is how I behave when I'm not content Mm. and understanding that the key to my, my own heart's happiness was being content um, in the Lord and what he's been doing. And it's been so instrumental in how I handle things because it took happiness from being this emotion to actually being a process. Yes. And uh, just, you know, how has God being centered in God's love, as you described it, changed you? And how has it changed then how you interact with your family and others? Because I know when I learned about being, you know, contentment can change my mindset. It changed even how I, you know, would treat others. Mm-hmm. And I realized I'm getting grumpy at this person because I'm not content with something that's going on. And I'm just wondering, how is that being centered in God's love? How has it changed you and how you interact with others? Oh, it, it changes a lot. It changes everything. <laughs> Sometimes I tell my kids, like, Mama, I need you to just go be with Jesus for like 10 minutes and get my mind and heart and attitude because it is that emotion and that emotion is overwhelming and that emotion will attack. Uh, attach itself to us and physically impact us so i homeschool all these kids at one time i was homeschooling seven so by the time friday rolled around we'd been working on stuff during the week we were working these assignments we're trying to get the stuff done and yes they have chores and but the house would just be thrashed like there would just be science projects and books laying around and we didn't get to our laundry and we cooking dinner but we had this thing last night meeting and so i just remember fridays often i would just be clean this, pick this up. And so here's the mom homeschooling during the week and we're trying to do this stuff and we're reading out loud. And then Fridays I would be like a terror because I wasn't feeling at peace because my house is a mess and now we're going to the weekend and I'm going to spend a weekend cleaning. Like your mind just starts going. And I realized like it, it's not like my world has not changed. Yes. Monday, the house might've been clean Friday, but the people are still here. We still had some great times reading out loud stories. We were able to go on that walk and look at nature. Like it made me realize like it was me. It was me that was being the terror. And what what really woke me up is when the kids, because all their rooms are upstairs, would say they would send someone down to see how mom's attitude was today and go back and report to the other kids. Like, And I realized, you know what? I don't want my kids to have to send someone down to see if mom's grumpy and she's going to make us go around and clean the house. And so now I tell them, it really comes back to like, you know what? we are help like we took in seven children. (laughs) I mean, like, and my husband always says like, did you expect the house to always be clean all the time? I'm like, I guess so. (laughs) Because we had three that I raised and, but they were trained. We had them from infancy and they were trained and how to pick up. I mean, it was just a different thing. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I did expect that the house would always be clean. And so now when I see that, I'm like, thank you God for this opportunity to love these kids. And Yes, mm-hmm. it's dirty and it's never always going to be clean and the wall's scuffed and the refrigerator drawer's broken <laughs> or whatever it is, but it's okay. Like I and I have to like kind of talk myself through it and like it's okay. Like no one's coming over my house today. They don't need <laughs> to see us. And if they were, I have seven children or at the time I had seven. Now we have five at home. But uh you know, they're not going to say like how could you keep your house like this? So it really came to me that that working through stuff made me realize like that is not the end all having a clean house or at the end of the week having all the shoes picked up or whatever and it it's just an emotion but physically I could feel and I I would say okay loosen your shoulders like release your fist like take a deep breath it's okay put a smile on your face when the kids walk in the room put a smile on your face yes they're stepping over their toys to get to you (laughs) whatever so it 
it the steps became and they still become we're gonna it's okay like it's gonna all be good we're just gonna have lots of love and we're gonna do our best to keep the house clean but the important thing is we're family and we're loving each other and these kids have a home and I'm their mom and I don't want them to have to send someone down to check on my attitude before the day starts that's that's hilarious I just remember I'm empty nest now and I will never forget this day when my first one left and uh uh, you know, a couple weeks later, I was cleaning the house and I vacuumed out her room and I was, it was all perfect. Now her room is all. And I remember a couple of days later, I walked by and I'm like, the vacuum lines are still there. That's terrible. <laughs> I hate that. And I went in and walked all around and I'm like, no, I used to think I wanted this, but it's a sign that no one's been here. I hate that. Oh yeah. It is such a big thing. I mean, yeah. One of my daughters is in Europe now. We see her once a year. She's able to come home she's here usually for three or four weeks. And so we do get time with her and her kids, but the rest of the time it's, it's messenger video calls, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and you do, uh, you need to remember that so that you will not miss the things because you're worried about the laundry or the kids, uh, toys everywhere (laughs) or those types of things. I think, you know, I used to think the, the lines in the carpet would make me happy, but now I, I miss the, mess that was on it yeah and people will say that uh, like more. oh you're gonna miss when you're an empty nest i'm like well i've been pa- <laughs> i've been active parenting for 33 years so <laughs> i can't yes. imagine what that's like but, and i have an 11 year old still so <laughs> yes well i have to make a confession to you that until i started reading through your book i didn't know who george mueller was oh oh i'm so embarrassed to say that but thank you for introducing me to him yes. and so um, this, this month of February, I am working hard to provide the listeners with a spiritual game plan Ooh. for their, for their hearts and how they can find true happiness. And you had a quote, um, from him in chapter six that I loved. And, um, I don't know if you are able to paraphrase that quote. Um, if you know yeah. what I'm talking yep. about, so it was a talking love. about, um, so George Mueller, for those who aren't familiar with George Mueller, he a hundred something years ago, um, had orphanages in Bristol, um, that he would take in orphans. And I, I, we took in seven children. Like he took in 10,000, like 10,000 <laughs> kids and wow. he'd have these orphanages for them. Um, and he always believed in prayer. He would never ask people for money. He said that God knew what he needed. And like one story that I shared is that there would be, there was no breakfast for these kids. They have hundreds of kids in this house. There's no breakfast. And he said, children, we're going to sit down and we're going to pray. And we're going to um, ask God and, and pro- ask, thank him, not ask him, thank him for his provision of breakfast. There's nothing, there's no food in the kitchen. And after they finished praying, there's a knock on the door and the baker said, God woke me up in the middle of the night and said to break, make bread and bring it over and here's some bread. And then bread's passed around and five minutes later, there's another knock. And the milkman said, my cart has broke down outside. I need to go get it fixed. Do you need milk? And it was just like God provided. All the children had milk and had bread. And um, George Mueller said, and this quote is, that before he got busy with his day, he would sit with the Lord and allow his heart to get settled in the Lord. And that changed everything. And that's what I'm like, okay, if he can do that, it has to care for 10,000 people. <laughs> like I do not have to care for 10,000 people in my day, but I can get my heart settled in the Lord and that will change everything. He talks about going to God's word and reading scripture and um, asking God to show him how that scripture applies to his life. And then 
wants his heart is set on the Lord, then he can get up and take care of all the things. And it just made me realize that's where, and he talked about, I get my heart happy in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's where this, the title of the book came from is heart happy is getting our hearts happy in the Lord at the beginning of the day, getting our hearts settled before we get up, before we go about our busy day. And that changes everything. Mm-hmm. I love how he said it's um, sensibly nourished and strengthened um, so that by breakfast time, uh, he was peaceful, if not, a, he was in a peaceful, if not happy state of heart. Mm-hmm. I just, I thought, wow, you know, getting our nourishment first and really asking God how to apply it to me. I just loved that. So thank you so much for joining me. And I know that we will have, there's a download that's going to be available for Happy Heart Scriptures. And is that your artwork? It is. Download? It's my artwork uh, on the download. <laughs> and on the front of your, and on the front and of your And on the front of the book. The publisher's yes. like, we want your art. And I'm like, what? I just started painting like a year and a half ago or something. Like that. So yes, it's super I fun. love that. The links for that will be in the show notes. And I would love it, though, as we leave. What's the quickest way that our reader could find you today? Yeah, my website is just trishagoyer.com. Trisha's T-R-I-C-I-A. Goyer's G-O-Y-E-R.com. It has links to all my social media. I'm, I have a very active blog. I have all the things, uh, my shop with my books. Everything's right there for people to connect with me. Yeah, I had fun going through that shop. And you write fiction um, books and and in some nonfiction so you have quite a great variety in there it's really I love it I love writing (laughs) it's great well thank you for joining me and happy valentine's day thank you sherry happy valentine's day to you too I hope you enjoyed my time with Tricia today as we discussed how important it is to really dig into God's word and ask him what is he wanting me to know about this because when we nourish our hearts and set them straight for the day, we can also be in a peaceful, if not happy state of heart. Ways to connect with Trisha will be in the show notes. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate hearing from my listeners and I would love to have you visit my website at yourspiritualgameplan.com. Join my email list to get my newsletter and current downloads. Also, leaving a rating and review helps me know that the show makes a difference. And if today's episode would bless a friend or family member, please share it with them. I'll be back next week with another spiritual game plan.